Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, where we learn all about building resilience in ourselves and helping others build it too. We draw from the principles of positive psychology and coaching to help you face adversity and do more than just survive. We want you to thrive. We are certified life coaches and speech language pathologists, and we will help you manage your mind, your emotions, and become the very best version of yourself, version 2.0. Let's get started. This is Heather Stables and Leah Davidson, and this is the Building Resilience Podcast, Episode 7, Getting to Calm. Welcome back, everybody. Hopefully, everyone is having a great week. When we're recording this, we are in complete lockdown here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So there's not a whole lot to do. I know we've just been trying to get out as much as we can for exercise, but spending a lot of time indoors too, lots of reading, Netflix, working. But it has been so fun hearing from all of you. We've appreciated all the messages. We love reading the reviews. So thank you to those who have left us one. And we appreciate those who have shared our podcast. So please keep up the love. Yes, we love the love. So last podcast, we talked about the two voices we have in our mind. So if you missed last week's podcast, you may want to listen to that one first. But basically, we were referring to the areas of our brain, which traditionally have been labeled the old brain, which is all about survival, and the new brain, the prefrontal cortex, where a lot of our cognitive functions are housed. Now, the brain is actually way more complex than that. And while neuroscience has proved that our brain hasn't evolved from the old brain, for simplicity's sake, and to explain the concept that different areas of the brain house different roles and have competing interests, we're going to use the old brain, new brain terminology. Actually, we referred to them as the monkey brain and the CEO, the two competing voices in our brain. Remember that when the monkey's engaged and loud and talking, we don't have access to our CEO. So today, we're going to dive a bit deeper as to how to access our CEO, what we need to do to gain maximum access to the CEO. That's right. So we are going to try to keep things simple, but we're going to have to step it up just a notch to explain what's happening um, a bit physiologically. So as you know, as Heather just said, we have parts of our brain responsible for survival, which we refer to as the monkey. And I'll refer you back to Tim Urban's TED Talk, where he uses the cutest little image of a monkey. And that's why I love referring to my old brain as monkey. Um, Monkey is always in a state of monitoring everything that's going on around us like that airport security putting everything in the scanner so there's like a radar in our brain that is constantly on the lookout for danger the problem is is that the radar is not good at detecting real danger versus perceived danger whether it thinks it is real or perceived whether it's occurring now or something that was occurring in the past, or even whether it's something conscious or unconscious, our body has a reaction and the reaction is we need to survive this threat. So we have a threat response or what we'll refer to as a stress response to these threats. Now, if it's a real threat, the body is doing exactly what it is supposed to do, and we want it to do that. If we are really in danger, then we do need to get all jacked up to protect ourselves. But when it's a perceived threat, our body still reacts the same way, even though it's not necessary. 
I like to give the analogy of a dog. I like to think of my dog, his cute little dog. He's a Westie. His name is Reggie. That when he's looking out the window in the backyard, if he sees somebody running through the backyard who's about to break into our house, he will freak out. That is a real threat. He will freak out and go barking uncontrollably. However, if it's snowing outside and there's some heavy snow on the branches and that snow also freak out because he thinks it's a threat. So just like my dog, Reggie, doesn't know the difference between a real and perceived threat and will have the same barking freak out reaction, our brain does the same thing. Mm -hmm. So our body has an autonomic nervous system. It's bipolar and biphasic, which means that when one of the systems is dominant, the other is recessive. Our sympathetic nervous system is where the stress response is triggered. And we have what we often refer to as fight or flight or freeze. Now the parasympathetic nervous system is where we find comfort, peace, joy, and relaxation. This is actually the dominant nervous system and is built to be in charge. But the only thing that gets this sympathetic nervous system turned on and stay to stay on is a perceived threat. So the sympathetic nervous system activation is good, but sympathetic nervous system dominance is bad. It is built to give us a boost when we need it, but it causes so much distress um, and other symptoms when we don't need it. That's right. So what actually happens then when your body perceives a threat? So our sympathetic nervous system is activated. We go into fight, flight, or freeze response. Now, physiologically, our heart rate changes, our breathing rate changes, our muscle tension increases. So there's a change in overall energy in your body. There's a production of a whole bunch of stress hormones and chemicals that are released and our body is flooded with them. So just think of how you feel when you start to feel stressed and you'll be able to identify the body changes that you feel. I know that I feel it in my gut too. So these are just some of the short-term effects. But if you stay in the state for longer term, so if you're in a constant state of stress or perceived threat or anxiety, then longer term, it can really impact the larger systems in your body, like the cardiovascular system, the digestive system, the immune system. So staying in this state can actually lead to disease. So it really is not a great place to be in the long run. Now, there's also an impact to the rest of your brain when we go into this stress response. So other parts of the brain, we see change as well. We get reduced function of the frontal lobe activity. So those are all of your executive skills, as well as temporal lobe activity, where your speech and language is housed. And then there's changes to our speed and our strength as well. So basically what happens is we're not able to access our prefrontal cortex in the same way. And I'm not going to get into what happens physiologically, but when the stress response cycle is activated, we can't access the CEO area of our brain. And that's so important to, re to realize. Mm -hmm. So I want to stop here and think about if this has ever happened to you. So think of a time when you felt scared. Maybe uh, it's because you had an upcoming speech you had to give. Maybe it's due to a stressful conversation that you know you have to have, or maybe it's just ongoing stress at work. I know that we all know what 
stress feels like. But other times, I want you to think of times when maybe for no apparent reason, you start feeling stressed or anxious or what we'll say triggered. This is because our body also remembers things that sometimes we may not be consciously aware of, but our body and mind have learned and may have coded some events as dangerous. So there may be something that triggers us and we may not even know what it is. So this is often when people may jump in and say to you things like, why don't you just relax or just think happy thoughts or stop thinking this way. And does it work? Of course not, but that is because you cannot access your frontal lobe to be able to reason this way when you are in a stress response. Mm-hmm. Think of a, a toddler in a store throwing a fit. We see the toddler on the floor thrashing around or freaking out, and the poor parent trying to reason with the kid. Uh, many times, many times. And that kid is not going to be reasoned with. So that's the kind of thing that happens to us. We can't use our reasoning when our sympathetic nervous system is activated. Remember, it's the state of fight, flight, or freeze. It's in a state of def- of stress, and we're not able to reason very effectively. So what do we do? And let's face it, a lot of us get stuck here an mm-hmm. awful lot. Been there many all... times myself. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too. We all encounter stressful situations. Well, actually, as we will talk in an upcoming episode, the circumstances or the situations, the events we actually think cause us stress do not. It's our perception and reaction to these situations that actually causes us stress. And our perceptions and reactions can be a combination of past learning, what we're thinking or remembering, and that includes the body remembering things that our brain might not. And this is what leads us into stress and then the activation of the sympathetic nervous system and then all the things that happen when it's activated. So we are stuck and we may want to talk our way out of it or think our way out of it or rationalize our way out of it. But at this stage, this is not the most effective way. We don't want to start having a long conversation with that toddler trying to convince them to calm down. And I know you've all seen it. I know you've all seen the parent just trying to reason with the toddler while the toddler is still freaking out. This is not the time to have the lengthy discussion. What we need to do is we need to activate the parasympathetic system. This is the rest and digest system is what it's called and what we'll refer to it as. So we need to relax and we need to self-regulate. Basically, what we need to recognize what's happening in our body, what's going on. Now, there's a lot of talk about mindfulness these days, becoming aware of what's happening in our minds, which is so important to do. And we've talked about that in terms of awareness. But this is kind of like a bodyfulness, which is an awareness of what's happening in your body, because we need to recognize what's happening in our body, then we need to feel it, and then we need to try to relax. So self-regulation is the term that we use, and it's our ability to become aware of the threat response that we have, and for us to interrupt that response, and then hopefully just continue on in our daily life. We do this through a process called interoception, which is basically the ability to scan 
through our body, notice what's happening in our body. So noticing like which muscles are tight, and then we try to relax those areas. Now, this really needs to be done intentionally. You have to intentionally try to regulate. Now, you can self-regulate any way that works for you, but we're going to share a couple of ways that have been helpful to do it. I don't know what the best way is going to be that will work for you. You're just going to have to try things out. So as you're attempting to self-regulate, you're getting your body into the parasympathetic state, the rest and digest state. Remember, you can't be in both states at the same time. So if you're able to get to the rest and digest state, then you leave the stress state. A relaxed and regulated body is not under stress and tension. So the first thing you need to do is notice and identify that you're in an activated state. And then there are a few things that you can try. Again, I'm not sure what will work for you, so I encourage you to try all of these things out. So the first and often the fastest way to get to rest and digest is to breathe. So you notice that you're feeling stressed, you notice that you're activated, and so then you go to try to breathe. Now, some people say to do deep breathing or diaphragmatic breathing, and some people say just to breathe normally, but try to make it more deliberate and controlled. You decide for yourself. So there are a couple techniques that I'm going to share. The first one is called the square technique, and that's basically where you breathe in for a count of four, you hold for a count of four, you breathe out for a count of four, you hold for a count of four, you breathe in for a count of four, and it goes around like that. My personal favorite technique is called the four, seven, eight technique. And this is one where you breathe in for the count of four, you hold for the count of seven, and then you exhale for the count of eight. You're going to be breathing in through your nose and exhaling through your mouth. And even when you exhale, you can make like an audible sigh, like really get that air out. The exhale is the most important part. So that's why I like four, seven, eight, because I actually like having the long exhale. So controlled breathing is a quick way to get from stressed to rest and digest. Try it out. And you often will see like there's a, there's a, a change in your body that just feels like you're just calming it right down as soon as you start doing some controlled mm -hmm. breathing. And another way is through movement. Often when you're stressed, the body has a lot of energy. Remember, in many cases, it thinks that it needs to fight or flee. So it has, re it's, it, it has a lot of energy and it's ready to move. So you want to move. And some people want to move before they try to breathe or relax. It's entirely up to you. So get out there and get rid of that energy. You can do this by going for a walk, a run, doing push-ups, dance, doing anything to get the energy out. Um, if your energy is low, this can also help you boost your energy. So movement and exercise is so important. And I just want to jump in here, Heather, and highlight the importance of getting this movement, like daily exercise all the time, not just when you're feeling stressed, because or when you're having like an activation of stress. So I like to explain it like we all have an energy budget or a point system, whichever one we want to use. So at the end of a stressful day, maybe you have 20 points or 20 bucks of stress in your system. Now, if you decide to go for a walk or a run or do some exercise, you'll use up 
some of those points. You'll spend some of those dollars. So then at the end of the day, maybe you'll be at 50. So the next day you'll start at 50 again, you'll build up more stress. And then at the end of the day, or at some point, it doesn't necessarily have to be at the end of the day, but at some point during the day, if you use some of your points or bucks, then it goes down. But if you are never getting out there and getting any movement, then what happens is you'll go through the day, you'll build up to say a hundred points or a hundred bucks. The next day you start at a hundred points or a hundred bucks. You build up more stress during the day. Now you're at 200. Then the next day you build up more. Now you're at 300. So the stress keeps climbing. So it's like you become a pressure cooker and you want to alleviate some of that steam every single day. And that is the importance of regular exercise for your stress and for your mental health. You want to get rid of some of that steam before it accumulates and then blows in whichever way it's going to blow. <laughs> so the third thing the opposite to movement is actually relaxation. So this may be a go-to for many people. Now, Dr. Eric Gentry, he's a trauma expert. He refers to a technique that he calls the wet noodle. Sounds very scientific, but basically you scan your body, you feel the tension, and then you let your body go limp. And it goes limp, just like a wet noodle. And I love this technique because I can just be sitting anywhere and just remind myself, okay, wet noodle and just let myself completely go limp and relax. And you notice such a big difference. You can also do a quick body scan exercise, or you can engage in some peripheral vision exercises or pelvic floor exercises. There's a whole bunch of ways that you can relax. There's so many ways to get the body relaxed. The point is, is you want your muscles to not be constricted. You can't be relaxed and stressed at the same time. So you want to get to a relaxed state, however that works for you. Mm -hmm. Another way is through meditation and meditative exercises. Um, we need the body and the brain to understand that there is no threat. So we need to get into the present. Mindfulness and meditation are key ways to do that, but not everybody is practiced or even feel like they can do it. It's a great idea to start up a practice, um, and there are some amazing apps like Headspace and Calm or Guided Meditation that can help you. And there's also techniques like EFT tapping that I've recently been exploring and finding really helpful. But if you're not well-versed or if it's not something you're currently doing or want to do right now, that's okay. There's other things that you can do to bring you in the present, like um, a grounding technique, Five, four, three, two, one. Have you heard of this? It's all about explaining five things you can see, four things you can feel, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. You can also play music, listen to music, do puzzles, art, knit. All these things keep you in the present. For some people, it's spending time in nature, myself included. Walking, could be running, it could be yoga. Any activity that you can get lost in, where you get into that state of flow that you can be fully present with. And for some, maybe it's even journaling. 
That's right. So those are the four ways to get us relaxed and regulated. We can do breathing. We can go through movement. We can do relaxation activities and we can do meditation or meditative activities. Now, after we're in this rest and digest state, then we have access again to our CEO. Then we can start using all the cognitive strategies. We can start working on our thoughts and managing our minds and talking things out. But remember, we usually can't access these things with maximum benefit until we've moved ourselves from the stress response to the rest and digest. So I also want to mention the importance of practicing these things. So I'd like to think of, a, of being a pilot. Uh, whenever a pilot gets ready to fly, they review the emergency procedures. They are well, well aware of what to do, how to do it, and they're trained. And so if an emergency happened, it's not like it's the first time that they're like, pass me the instructions and trying to read the instructions, trying to figure it all out. They are very well versed because they have practice and practice and practice but they keep reviewing it. So it's top of mind and it's easy to access if they need to. So it's the same with these tools. The more we practice them, the easier it is to pull them up when we need them. It's much harder for the first time when we're confronted with a perceived threat, we feel our body go into the stress response. If we've never practiced any kind of deep breathing or relaxation, it's hard to do for the first time when we're in that state. Now, it's also worth mentioning that these tools are ongoing. We will have to use them, and I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of times a day. But if you think about it, it's kind of like eating. We don't just eat one meal and then get surprised when we're hungry again. Well, I already ate breakfast. Why do I ever need food again? No, we're constantly needing to be feeding ourselves every single day, multiple times a day. And so it's the same with these things. We have to use them. We have to get good with them. And we have to use them over and over and over during the day. So figure out when you need them. And it's kind of like food. We're just gonna have to keep doing it to get ourselves to a state of rest and digest. Yeah, so lastly, if you find that you're having a hard time self-regulating, then it might be helpful to co-regulate with someone first. So what does that mean? Well, if you're in a situation and you see that someone is feeling stressed, they're having a hard time breathing, and you can see that they're starting to panic, rather than instructing them verbally to calm down, which we know doesn't work because they don't have access to their CEO, we just start modeling breathing with them. We can help count the breaths, we can help guide them to relax their muscles. Uh, we serve as their role model if they can't do it on their own. And this is especially good for parents to do, to model themselves regulating and then co-regulate with their kids to teach them how. So that's a lot of information. That's right. So much for our short and sweet podcast, but th this is an exception. This is an exception. It's such an important part that we had to take the time to go over to teach you how to get to rest and digest. Hmm. But basically in some, our brain perceives threats and goes into a stress response. This doesn't feel good and we don't want to be making decisions from this state as we don't have access to our higher cognitive skills or our CEO. 
in order to access the higher cognitive cognitive skills, we need to get into the rest and digest state. And we do this by controlling our breathing, relaxing our muscles, moving to release excess energy, and then practicing meditative techniques to keep us in the present. From this state, we can access our CEO. And from here, he can try a lot of the cognitive exercises that are very, very helpful. And really, what we spend a lot of time talking about in coaching. But we can't introduce the thinking skills if you're not in a place of calm. It's just not effective. So you've got to get to calm. Yeah, and that's exactly why as coaches, we spend so much time talking about our thinking skills and managing our minds. But that's why we wanted to do this podcast because you kind of have to get to a place of rest and digest and relaxation and calm if you want to make use of all the thinking tools that we have. So to help you out, we've created a free download that summarizes these strategies because I know there was a lot of information that we threw at you. So there's a link to the download in our show notes and we encourage you to download it and start practicing these strategies right away. And as always, it's been fun. We appreciate you all. Don't forget to leave a review. And if you can also come find us on Instagram, we are at hl.lifecoaching. We post some daily tips that will certainly help you build resilience. Until next week, have a great one and take care.